I'm just sorry. My mind is not in in the conversation because I'm overly concerned that this pitcher of coffee has <laughs> condensation on it. It does look rather cold. It's cold it? to the touch, <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe. and there are ice in the cups <laughs> for a coffee podcast. Amen and amen. Welcome to Coffee Rants and All Things Christian with the Parkview Pastors. We back! My name is David Harris, and joining me as always is Daniel Morris, John Seth Salmon, sup, 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 Skylar sup. Teal, Yo. and Mike Tatum. As you probably heard in the intro, because that's definitely going to be the intro, <laughs> <laughs> we are doing something a little bit different with the coffee today. I made what's called a Japanese flash brew. Ooh, Jess. So, hey, come hey. out with it. So here's, what, here's how you do it. You put ice in like the brewing vessel and then you put more coffee and less hot water and so the coffee that's brewing is too strong and then the ice that is poured over melts and like balances it out that makes sense it looks like sweet tea basically makes sense um so interesting i'm gonna get some ice in my mug and we'll start serving it yeah ice in my mug sounds like a good book title did you just go watch like mike I'm so happy that Mike's not going to like this because that means more for me. (laughs) So let me tell you a little bit about the coffee itself. This is a company called Brandywine Coffee Roasters. They're in Wilmington, Delaware. This is, uh, they have a bunch of different coffees. This is one of their natural process Hondurans, but it's the one with the whale on the packaging. That's how you would be able to tell it apart. They say there's tasting notes of jam, clover honey, and blueberry. And I'll say right off the bat, I probably didn't do this the right way because I made this last night and stored it in my fridge. It's best served like fresh, but hopefully it'll be okay. This has, I feel like it's, is it more um, aromatic? I'm as afraid to drink this as you guys were of those Thanksgiving Thanksgiving candy corns. Don't bring that up. That's how afraid afraid. I'm that afraid of this right now because the smell is, the odor is is not attractive. So even though I've had this fresh and it's better, still pretty good. It's a little bit like bland. Like you can kind of taste that it's sad overnight, but there's still traces of some of like the, I'm getting, I'm getting honey, like a hint of honey. Yeah. It's like a honey like sweetness and I get very, a very little bit of kind of like a berry taste. So it's, it's really good. It tastes. Oh, this is good. It tastes more floral to me. Yeah, it's got yeah. a floral kind of. Is that as bad as you thought it was going to be? No. No. It is interesting. There's there's I'm, no bitterness at all. I'm less yeah, literally afraid. zero. I'm less afraid of it now. Good. But it, I would not. You know what would make this really good? What's that? Is if it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my favorite way. To make coffee is a flash brew. It's so good. It's interesting. It's like tea-like, yeah, but it tastes very different. Thoughts? <laughs> That's fine. It doesn't have a lot of coffee flavor to me. I don't yeah. really get any sense of, of coffee. Why did you say it was bland? Um, well, when I've made this fresh, more of like the bright, kind of like fruitier notes yeah. come out a little bit easier. Yeah. This, it's almost like I'm like searching for it. Yeah. But it's not bad at all. But, Skylar, do you like unsweet tea, though? No? Okay. Yeah. I don't like tea. Oh, okay. 
Have you tried it with French vanilla? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't. I like it, but if I had the good coffee, I would just brew it hot. But I do like it. Yeah, that makes sense. I like cold coffee better than hot coffee. Really? I like the idea of cold coffee Mm -hmm. in the summer. Because I want a cold drink in the summer. Yeah. When it's scorching outside. That's To me, that's the purpose of this. Scorching? You like that? That's pretty good. (laughs) Scorch. Because when it's like... When it's like 95 degrees outside, Oof. I don't really want like a hot pour over. That yeah. just is kind of miserable. No, so yes. this kind of like is the same idea. The air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> Go inside, David. <laughs> this is top five coffees we brought on. For you? Uh-huh. In, and you're talking about like the coffee itself, not the method. Like I'm just talking that both. Coffee. Yeah, talking about. Yeah. This cup of coffee is number five for me, probably. I got you. Methodical is still number one. Yeah. Don't worry, Mike. We won't have another cold coffee for a long time. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Thank you for making this. You're welcome. I don't think I've seen anyone judge a cup so hard than the <laughs> last five minutes from Mike. Talking about the way he's examining yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Holding it in the sand. Like, he's like, I wish this I, was I, hot. <laughs> I, I did drink it all. I drank it all. <laughs> you just like have that. it and you're just like... <laughs> I, I guess I'm. Just, I guess I don't get the point. <laughs> I think that's my my whole issue is I I don't understand. So, if you were I out don't. and about, like walking through a city or something, and it's like ninety something degrees outside, and you had the chance to get a coffee, you would still get it hot and walk around with a hot yes. coffee over this. Yes, I would. I understand that, but I would rather if it's hot outside, I'd rather have this because so. anything other than hot coffee is unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move into our banter topic for the day. We've banter, got three banter, questions banter. that were submitted by some friends of mine. The first one is from Clay Rayner, and he's asking, what is your least favorite pizza topping? Olives. Ooh. Ooh wow. Game changer. Uh, olives, definitely. Yes. I, I was <laughs> thinking pineapple, but <laughs> olives. Was yeah, cool. you did. That's nonsense. Yeah. I know. Olives is definitely correct. I was going to say What's bacon. wrong with pineapple? It doesn't belong. But, wait, what? Yes. I was going to say bacon until he said no, olives. You just, olives you, you just don't even belong in this conversation. <laughs> you're, you're telling oh me that bacon does not belong on a pizza. Bacon doesn't belong. That's bacon in, belongs everywhere. No. Bacon belongs nowhere. That's I don't like bacon. Ridiculous. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, hurt my soul. Yeah, I know. Disappointment. Yeah, I know. No one's ever going to trust my opinion on anything again on well, this that, podcast. But we kind of just, established that a while back. Yeah. <laughs> there was something else you said about yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Now I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned about Skyler's view of pineapple yeah. on a pizza. I know he's absolutely wrong. Absolutely, it doesn't belong. Yes. It does. Have you tried it, it? with ham? You, no, you but, haven't tried it with yes, ham. Is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's so much better with bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, agree. With bacon. I agree. I agree. Even cheese with pineapple is good. Sure. I'm just a traditionalist mm. fundamentalist when it comes to pizza now would anybody and i because on a supreme pizza i will pick out the olives because they're just nasty they don't belong That's on garbage, this earth. i did one. that last night they're just left over from the curse but amen uh along with brussels sprouts but amen uh, in some places there there people put like anchovies on their pizza i almost so said anchovies I, but that would be the worst pizza topping if that would even be if that should even be classified as a pizza, yeah, pie. that shouldn't yeah. even be a That's thing. Awful. So no. So of the things that are actual pizza toppings, olives would be the worst. Yeah. 
Now, Emily would take issue with this because Emily like will dogs? just eat olives out of the jar. Yeah. Oh, which is just insane really? to me. Yeah. So, so would Judy. Gross. It's insane. Really? Yeah. Gross. Yeah. I don't understand it. I can't do that. That literally what, makes me want to throw up. What salad? Olive Garden salad has olives in it, right? Yeah. Yes. The black they olives. Yeah. All of the, the black olives go no. to Judy. They're yeah. in, they're and like all the little pepperoncinis so. come to me. So. Sure. Mm. So gross. Yeah. I don't understand it. Disgusting. Yeah. So we're 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 all together against olives. That's correct. Wow. Yes. We, we hate all of this. <laughs> <laughs> With all of us. All of us? John said this. I didn't even mean to do that. Got me. I wish I did. With all of us. I forgot I was going to say the next question comes from my sister Bethany. She says, "Crocs, hot or not?" <laughs> hot every single time. I love Crocs. No, they're right up there with cargo shorts. Mm. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. And in I, case anybody's wondering, shorts. that's a knot to some yes. on both. Y'all, there's a picture of me uh-huh. back in the day where I'm wearing like jean shorts and Crocs, and I'm just proud of myself. Amen, dude. <laughs> My mind says no, but my heart says yes to Crocs. <laughs> That's where I'm at with it. I love Crocs, man. They are a multifunctional shoe. They're slip-ons. Yes. Okay, when you're just wanting to lounge around the house, you throw on some Crocs. You want to take the trash out. Yep. And you don't want to put on shoes. You don't want to go barefoot because your driveway hurts. Mine does. You put on Crocs. Mm-hmm. You want to go mudding. <laughs> sure. You sure. lock those babies in four wheel drive with the strap on the back, <laughs> and there ain't nothing taking them suckers off. <laughs> Crocs are hot. Uh, do, you, do you get a little but- the buttons? You know, you can put um, like the little. I didn't until Bethany at camp. <laughs> Shout out, Bethany. I will be getting some decals for my Crocs. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, that was a compelling argument. Oh, thank, wow. you, Crocs. thank you. Thank yeah. you. Oh man! You got your eye on a couple decals, or you, you're just gonna yeah, the, yeah. impulse buys. Not, probably impulse buys, <laughs> but yeah, there are some hot. Next, no, not, next for not, not for me. Not for me. Not for valid me. arguments. Now I do have I do have Crocs. Either that or or they might be knockoffs because I don't Bob. think I don't, yeah. 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 It's, it's like it's I don't have a North pops. Face jacket. I call mine a South Face. <laughs> That's I, funny. Yeah. So so I do have a, a pair that I wear uh, when I'm like doing pool work and stuff like that. Yeah. Functional. Yeah. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle with this. Just because I don't want to ruin my Hey Dudes. Mm. Right. Which is a much better option. Uh, I do love my Hey Dudes. My Hey Dudes ripped in like two weeks. Really? No lie. Brand new. Dang, that's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, you know what didn't rip in two weeks? My camo Crocs. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Wow. Camo Crocs, right? I got the Arctic camo. Oh, man. Next level. <laughs> I ain't blended in with anything in Florida, but come on. The last question comes from one of my best friends, Alex Baker. He says, uh, is Pop-Tart a ravioli? No. No. Wait, excuse That's me? nonsense. Yes. Think about, think about. Let's define what a ravioli. A ravioli is. Exactly. I'm... It starts with pasta. Okay. Yeah. And it's a pop tart is not pasta. Yeah, but it's no, no, no. With what? Meat or whatever cheese or whatever you want. So it's still stuffed, though, right? Yes, but that is not <laughs> so, the. 
but that is not the definition of ravioli. So a pop tart is a pastry. I, I see where you're going with stuffed. it. Stuffed. I'm just saying it's nonsense. <laughs> it's stuffed. I've never once thought stuffing. about this question. Before. Yeah. Here we go. I'm it's never, basically if an you, overcooked ravioli. If you put a ravioli in the oven, yes. A hot pocket and if ravioli? a ravioli was made of dough instead of pasta, exactly. And if a ravioli had jelly instead of like meat and cheese, but it's still mm. stuffed, right? It's, so are peppers. <laughs> it doesn't so, make them a ravioli. So, so you is a jalapeno. A so you're going to tell me <laughs> that a, a, a cream cheese stuffed jalapeno is a ravioli? Because it's I'm stuffed. Saying maybe. You're gonna tell me a teddy bear <laughs> is a ravioli <laughs> because it's stuffed. Maybe. Are we are we saying stuffed is the qualifier for everything ravioli? Can you have a ravioli without stuffing? No. This, okay. This okay. So <laughs> then, yes, you do base ravioli on if it's <clears throat> stuffed or not. So then, by the transitive property in quantum physics, oh, you can. Oh, sorry, the science guy's back and. <laughs> It's a ravioli. It's a pastry ravioli. All right, John, I'll, I'm going to ruin You made it. a better argument for Crocs being hot. <laughs> That's yeah, so you think, both were so nonsense. So your answers changed then. You think no. Crocs are hot? No. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just a better argument I, for it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I got you. Oh, not, not convincing, <laughs> just better. I just want, I want to play devil's advocate. Pop-Tart could, yeah. could be I'll, I'll a be pastry the, I'll be the end all with this. Not to ruin your day, John Seth. Wait, wait. Ravioli. Before, wait, before you do that, day. yes. does Alex Baker think that a Pop-Tart is a ravioli? I'm not sure. Oh. He Call did not him. answer it. He did oh. not answer okay. it. Okay. All right. Just oh. ask him. We need this yeah. answer. So Here we go. Phone a friend. Defined ravioli is small pasta envelopes containing ground meat, cheese, or vegetables. So no, Pop-Tart is hey, not a ravioli. Hey, <laughs> I'm just thinking We're not about it on I, your parade. Listen, I'm just waiting till I get home. I could kick off these shoes and slip on them Crocs, baby. And eat some Pop Tarts. <laughs> and eat some Pop Tart ravioli. ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm hearing you. What if you crush up Pop Tarts and you stuff them into a ravioli? No. As the stuffing, and then it's like a dessert ravioli. What if you crush up Pop Tarts and fold them into vanilla ice cream? Ooh. That sounds good. I don't. <laughs> I've never done that, but I hear you out of that. I would yeah, let you call that ravioli if you would serve it to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Deal. You know what? While we're on this, I feel like I can bring this up. Somebody used to go to public. Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little hungry. Fruit pop tarts oh, yeah. or like the brown sugar cinnamon? Brown sugar cinnamon Ooh, yes. with the top. The the, the top. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Number one. No, number one pop tart. I don't care what my grandchildren say. Without the icing or fruit with the icing. Wait, what? Yeah. No, you're all backwards. Either fruit with the icing or brown sugar cinnamon without. Okay, worst Pop-Tart. Worst Pop-Tart. Anything anything chocolate. Yeah, the chocolate ones are bad. I've had like a s'mores one before that was just not good. It was bad. Ooh, that's a good question though. What what about you, Skyler? I haven't had a pop tart in ages. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. either. <laughs> Mister Fancy Pants over here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, don't eat pop tarts. I get I get fresh pastries <laughs> built from France. The brown the brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts yes. with the icing. Absolutely, the yep, yeah, that is brown the best. sugar. Yeah, that's my favorite. Have you ever frozen them? Yes, it's amazing. Ooh, no. very good. Frozen really? what? Frozen brown sugar cinnamon with the icing pop tarts. Very good. Yeah. I'm sure that would be good. Yeah, would be real good. good, good. Anyway. Does anybody else freeze their candy bars before you eat? Yes, I do that. Sometimes. Brittany doesn't freeze them every time, but she always puts them at least in the fridge. Yeah. 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 
I've been eating Almond Joys recently. They're good. good and stuff. I have never been into Almond Joys. Yeah. It's because but, they're garbage candy. <laughs> but I've just started eating it. I'm like, this is pretty good. My because it has coconut. Joy. Yeah. It is because of the coconut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather have an Almond Joy than some other crap candy that's been mentioned on this podcast. Yeah, okay, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'll choke down that coconut in a heartbeat. <laughs> Give me that over a cow tail any day. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> At least you can chew an almond joy, you know? <laughs> Speaking of joy. <clears throat> wow. Good segue. I heard it comes in the morning. Hey. hey. <laughs> there we go. Stop. That's two, right, that was right two dad jokes. Sal- no, that was okay. right past dad's uh, uh, joke right into grandpa's okay, joke. Okay, sorry. You can delete that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. Don't, don't delete that. I live for moments like that. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so anyway, we'll move into our doctrine discussion for today. Um, we're moving through uh, this 12-week doctrine series that we've been in, and we've been following a guide that Paul Tripp has in his book, uh, Do You Believe? Um, today, we're going to talk about the doctrine of sanctification. We're going to talk about the doctrine itself, uh, what God's Word has to say about it, and then how it should sink from our heads to our hearts and apply to our lives. So we'll dive right in. All right. Sticky notes are back, baby. Yeah. Sticky notes are Look back. Look at all those yes. post-its over there. I know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, there's a lot of good stuff to say oh, um, yeah. yes. about sanctification. And it's really probably one of the most difficult uh, doctrines, if not to understand, to apply. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, b- because because it's, um, it's multifaceted. Kind of like our salvation is multifaceted. Uh, one of the facets of our salvation is the sanctification. And within that... It, it's like it's like an outline that has three points, but then it also has some subpoints to it, and and so this sanctification thing kind of kind of uh, uh, it can get get a little bit confusing sometimes, even in trying to get our minds around it, much less uh, trying to apply it in our lives. But bottom line is the whole idea of, of sanctification is um, the work of God uh, in us as as our sin is destroyed and our our fleshly lusts are put to death, uh, ultimately killing sin in us. It's killing sin in us um, so that we are being conformed to the image of Christ and the righteousness that he imputed to us in our conversion, in our salvation. Um, And so, so sanctification is, is it's a, it's both a a position, but it's also um, a a progress. Yeah. It, it's positional and it's progressive. And so that's where we get, we get a little, a little confused sometimes is because uh, have we been sanctified or are we being sanctified? And the, the answer is yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause the, the majority of the time, whenever I think about sanctification, it's, it's a process. Right. But I, I like that. For sure. Well, uh, I, I listened to a podcast in preparation for this by a, a guy named Costi Hen who talked about the three types of sanctification, positional, uh, progressive, and then perfected right. sanctification. Right. At, you know, which, you know, turns into like glorification. glorification. Right. Um, right. And I really, I love those three because I tend to think sanctification as the process, yes, but also as being saved, like that, you know, kickstarting the process of sanctification. Right. But that positional sanctification of always, like, we are always in a state of being sanctified mm-hmm. currently. Right. Um, and uh, Tripp says the primary focus, the primary focus of 
Sanctification is the ongoing lifelong rescue of us from us. Yeah, right. so good. Right, right. I love yep. that. But I think the reason why we get that get that confused sometimes, positional and progressive, is because we have different terms to describe those things as well. For instance, yeah, when we are converted, we, we tend to use the term justified, justification, justification yeah. in that. Um, God justifies yes. us. He makes us right with right. him. Um, and in that, what we don't realize is in that justification, we are are positioned into uh, sanctification. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 so that's kind of the start of the journey. And and here here's why I say this is hard for us to get our minds around because many of us grew up and many of us understand and and, and in some ways rightly that salvation is is something that happens to us, but we tend to relegate it to that moment of justification, right. to that moment of conversion. And for us, um, especially those of us who have been you know. Uh, saved in our past where we maybe even a long time ago in our past, our salvation is something that is relegated to our history. Um, and what the Bible constantly reminds us and what the doctrine of sanctification reminds us is that we have been saved, but we are being saved and then we will be saved. We will be perfected. Yeah. And so, so we have three different terms. The Bible uses three different terms for that one salvation. And sometimes those terms are used interchangeably. Um, yeah. For instance, in in uh, uh, in uh, Timothy, he talks about working out your salvation. Yeah, that that's, is that's that is a, another word for sanctification. But but they use salvation interchangeably with justification, and salvation interchangeably with with sanctification, and salvation interchangeably with glorification as well. Because sometimes when the Bible's talking about salvation, it's talking about that the the not yet. Um, the perfected salvation. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to think of it this way in, in just overall, overall salvation. And then we'll get more into what, what sanctification actually looks like. Um, but, but we always think in terms of salvation in, in three different, uh, three different aspects, um, past, present, and future justification, sanctification, glorification. And, and the way I try to, I try to piece that together is, is because our salvation, like John says, said it, we are, God saves us from us in this in this whole process. Yeah. And so so in justification we are we are saved from the penalty of our sin. When God makes us right, he imputes his righteousness to us. We are saved from the penalty of sin, which the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in salvation we experience that exchange where Christ um takes our sin and imputes to us righteousness. And that justification gives us the opportunity to stand in the presence and fellowship of a holy God. So we are saved from the penalty of sin. The second aspect, sanctification, we are then saved and being saved from the power of sin. Sin no longer has power over us uh, because we have a Holy Spirit that is in us, yet we battle and we struggle in that in that there's a, a control uh, issue there. There's a, a power uh, ish struggle with, with that. And so we are in justification, being saved from the penalty of sin. In sanctification, we are being saved from the power of sin, which means every day as we draw closer and closer to Christ, we are moving further and further away from sin. Theoretically, that's, that's the way it's supposed to happen anyway. As we are being conformed to his image, we are losing the the confirmation of our natural fleshly state and we're moving towards 
what Christ has intended for us. And then in glorification, we will finally be saved from the presence of sin. Sin will no longer be an issue. So you've got, you've got penalty, power, and presence of, of sin, and salvation works to undo all of that in every aspect of it. Yeah. And so we, so now we, we get to this, this sanctification process. And, um, and I think what's most important about that, it is not just some, some passive thing. Mm-hmm. That happens to us, and I think we get a little confused in there as well because we we want to readily say um, that you know it, it is by grace that we are saved, and then it is by grace that we are sanctified. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but but we and we don't want we don't want to take any credit for our salvation in any aspect of it. It's all about God, but that doesn't necessarily make it passive on our part either. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a there's a balance here that we'll we'll talk about here uh, as we work through this process of sanctification. Yeah. Paul speaks to some of this in first Corinthians when he's talking to the Corinthian church and he talks about, uh, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And I'd be interested to hear your take because this, you, you, but you were washed and you were sanctified. Right. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So don't live in those ways anymore. Um, and, and I've never really recognized that you were sanctified right. like that, that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a couple of places where Paul refers to it as, as something positional yeah. in First Corinthians at, at the beginning when he, when he opens up, um, when he starts first Corinthians uh, one verse two to the church of God, which are at Corinth to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's kind of a, right. a perfect tense there. Yeah. Something yeah. that's happened in the past with, with future impl- ongoing uh, and future implications. Um, first Corinthians six eleven, same thing. He yeah. refers to it. Uh, what, what you just read there. Um, he uses the same kind of language with justification too, though. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, you were, you yeah. were justified. Right. And you are right. being justified. And you are yeah. continuing. Yeah. 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 Being, I think you could right. take, even see the, even the time of you know past, present, and future, on um, each of those things, justification, <clears throat> sanctification, and glorification, yep. as like angles, different angles to look at each of these it, doctrines. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's why we, that's why that's why we have to keep the gospel in front of us. By the way, yeah. that's why yeah. we always yeah. come back to the gospel. <laughs> yes. Every lesson comes back to the gospel. Why? Because <clears throat> the gospel is not just about a salvific event in our past. Yeah, amen. The gospel does empower that. But it also empowers our ongoing salvation in the present and in and on into the, the future. Yeah. Hebrews um, Hebrews two eleven I think mentions both. Um, yeah, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. So so he, we are being sanctified, and yet and he's the one who sanctifies <laughs> yeah. us, has yeah. sanctified Oof. us uh, yeah. in in that moment. So yeah. I mean, sanctification is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah. Um and and the way the New Testament presents it is it is it is an ongoing uh active uh active thing for us to pursue. It, it is something that we do actively um under the 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 conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so so I think I think it's the Bible keeps sanctification in front of us because we are to be actually living out the life that Christ is conforming us to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and what we found in history, if you look back in history and even in, even in modern history, even in our day, even in the church age now, and even among Christendom, uh, loosely defined today, there are a lot of folks 
that regardless of your, your denomination, you, uh, even if you're Catholic, you go through all of the, the sacraments, you do all your thing. And then many people are just out there living their lives. They have no regard no for the things of Christ. They have no regard for the things of the church. That it's, it's not even a second thought or an afterthought for them. That was something that they did when they were little. They don't need it now. Evangelical life is the same way. Um, you've got people that, that walked an aisle. They said a prayer. They got baptized when they were eight or nine. And there has been absolutely no, uh, consideration or thoughtfulness towards the things of Christ or his church or any of that. And, uh, and, and so that's why the Bible keeps that in front of us because it, Christ wants us to know that this salvation thing is, is transformative. Um, it's not just a, even a head knowledge or an intellectual assent to the plausibility of all that God wants us to do and be. It's actually becoming what God wants us to do and be. Yeah. And, uh, and we can have all kinds of head knowledge about it. We can study it. We can have our terms defined and still not be transformed into the image of Christ, still yeah. not be sanctified or still not be living in a state of ongoing sanctification. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I think the, we have to let the gospel influence the way we view sanctification as well, because so often because we live in a sinful world and we tempt, we're tempted to love ourselves. Um, we need to look at the gospel to see ourselves rightly. I thought of that phrase and how deep the father's love for us ashamed. I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers like that's who we are. And so then if we look at this definition that John Seth brought up, sanctification is the ongoing lifelong rescue of us from us. If we see ourselves as that person unworthy, we're the ones that deserve to be on the cross. Mm-hmm. That rescuing of us from us is going to be a joy and not a burden. Right. But if we yeah. see ourselves as people that are lovable or or whatever, like we are good people or we're not in desperate need of God, then we're not going to want to be rescued from ourselves yeah. because we are see ourselves too highly. And so mm-hmm. I think wow. seeing sanctification in light of the gospel is what makes sanctification a joy and not yeah. a burden. That's good. So, I wonder if a lot of people do see it burdens. as a burden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it, it, you, yeah. You're, we never get there. Yeah, right. like right. he says, yeah. there's no there's no such thing as a sanctification sanctification graduate. Right, and right. So like <laughs> we're living in it, but we can never get there until we're glorified with right. Christ. Right. Um, and so I wonder if if it you know, and, and because we can so easily part of sanctification is communion with the Lord. Part of that is prayer and devotion. Yeah. Uh, to Him and His Word, and we can see those things sometimes as getting in the way of. Mm. what we want to do. Right. Yeah, right. right. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, because he knows how burdensome the law was to his people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by, and, and so he cut, he says, come to me, all you right. who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yeah. you and learn from me for yeah. my yoke is easy. Yeah. And my burden is like sanctification is not meant to be burdensome. Right. We make it burdensome because right. this, this is what we do. We try to squeeze God's sanctifying work into our already busy lives and skips. Yes. Right. Mm, we yes. try to squeeze God's sanctifying work with our perception of money into our already overcrowded budget. We try to squeeze his sanctifying work into our time in an already overcrowded schedule. And, and what, what sanctification exactly right. calls us to do is empty ourselves of all of that mm. and let him start building back those pieces according to his nature and character and purpose, rather than trying to squeeze his purpose into ours. Mm. But I think, and that's where I think our biggest struggle is in salvation and in the Christian life. It's mine is I want, I want the, I want the things of God, but I want the things of God on my terms. Mm. And, and I want the things of God, um, without disrupting the things of me. Wow. 
And, and that's where that, I think that's where the biggest struggle comes yeah. from. And I think that's yeah. why we, uh, we have a tendency to try to dismiss the whole concept of sanctification yeah. and just rely on, I've been justified, I've been saved, and mm. it'll all be fine when I get there someday. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it, it, we make it harder than it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's because we still have, we still have attachments to the world. Mm. He brings up the idol of comfort later on yeah, in the yeah, second yeah. chapter. That's, mm-hmm. that's where my mind has been wrapped around this whole thing. Is Absolutely. Like, in all honesty, like something that I value is when I have time just by myself where I can either veg, watch something, play a game, something yeah. like that. And this chapter was so convicting because it was like, and, and what you're bringing up, like trying to squeeze in, like, mm-hmm. I don't want anything to mess with that time. Right. I want to be able to do what I want to do. And, and Paul Tripp in this later on in this chapter brings up the idol of comfort and how we don't like sanctification because it makes us uncomfortable. And when we idolize being, having our comfort in the way we want comfort right? and the way that, you know, what, cause in those moments, what I'm trying to do is just find rest, find comfort in something other than work or yeah. constantly doing something or taking care of one right. of the children or, mm-hmm. you know, just trying like always being busy or whatever. I'm like, okay, well this is my moment to just, do something I want to do. Right. Yeah. But even in those moments, it's like my first thought is not, I need to go have personal worship with God. Right. Like I need to dive right. into his word. Have I done that today? Oh, mm. no, I haven't because yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm more wrapped up in what makes me comfortable. Right. Because when we come to scripture, it's not always going to make you feel comfortable. Yeah. It's going to call and, stuff out. And we conflate that with being burdensome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, exactly. And, and, and we think that it's a, a burden because we're trying... When we and, and I'll just I'll go on record and say if we're trying to sanctify ourselves, it will be burdensome. Yes, yes. Amen. absolutely. It Amen. will it will be frustrating. Yes. It, it will uh, be burdensome. Yeah, I think that comes from forgetting the role of the spirit. In yes, all this. yes, dude, it's my favorite part right. of this chapter. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and and that and we say this often in our services and and in our preaching. Um, we understand, and, and a Baptist is going to embrace the fact that by grace you are saved. We are saved by grace. But then we go off and we try to live the Christian life. We are justified by God's grace, but then we somehow convince ourselves that we're sanctified by us. Like God, by his grace, puts us in the covenant, but then somehow we have to maintain our status in that covenant. And, and that's really what sanctification is. And, and we take that burden on ourselves. And Jesus says, no. Mm-hmm. Take my burden on you. My burden is easy. My burden is light. Let my let my grace that saved you also sanctify you. Mm-hmm. And and that's what that's what Paul was getting at in Titus when he talked about grace and he wrote to Titus and he said the grace of God that uh, that uh, uh, the the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And then he goes on saying, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. It's God's grace that teaches and empowers yeah. the ability to do just that, to live life in light of his return, yeah, in light of the glorious return of our Savior. That is, that is how we should be living our lives. Yeah. Um, and that is not supposed to be burdensome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I almost, I struggle with some of the same things you do, John. And I think some of that in me stems from having this mindset of me doing all these things apart from God's grace and the work of the spirit, because then we think, man, I've been working for God all day. I'm tired. I need to rest. And so this rhythm of work and rest being dependent on ourselves is 
we work ourselves to death, not relying on God. So we get exhausted. And then we try to find rest <laughs> yeah. in ourselves. Yeah. And we're more exhausted. You're right. Literally. You're right. It's like yes. an endless cycle. Yes. Yes. And so like, mm-hmm. if you're depending on the work of the spirit, it's going to be a joy to quote unquote, you know, like serve God and live for him because that's like what we're intended to do. You know? And then we're, yeah. when we're finding rest in him, we will find true rest yeah. so that we're, you know, equipped better to continue living for him. But, Again, yeah, depending on ourselves on. just makes us, ex- and I fall into that is yeah, why I'm saying that's, this. That's is spot I, on, sometimes man. I'm exhausted all the time. Even if half my day I was like sitting on a couch doing nothing, like why should we be tired? It's because right. we're trying to find rest and things other than Christ. Mm-hmm. So, and, and for those of us in ministry, we have, we have a tendency to, to bring that, that very same concept of that personal concept of self sanctification into our work in, in the ministry. There, there is a, a, a slow drift sometimes where listen, we yeah. can, we can build systems that will allow a church to operate mm. outside of the, the spirit of God. Um, I mean, and, and so we have to be careful about that. Even in, in ministry work, um, is, is we need to make sure that we're relying and, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because Skylar does a very good job of encouraging me. He does probably didn't even realize it, but he'll, he'll make comments about, you know, having faith and trusting in the Lord because because in the office, I, I tend to be uh, the, the one that looks at the things of the church and what's happening in the church. And I, I'll look at it from a worldly, fleshly perspective mm-hmm. and, and see everything that's wrong and mm-hmm. everything that, that has the potential to fall flat on its face. And then these guys, they gently remind me, you, you all do, you gently remind me that this isn't mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's not dependent on our systems and how efficient we operate. Um, it, it's, it's not even completely dependent on on uh, the generosity of our people in and of itself, but it's, it's dependent on uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and the yeah. headship of Christ in his church and trusting that he's working in the hearts and lives of the, the people that, that we are being sanctified together with mm. um, as, as, we, as we seek to do the work of the kingdom, which is ultimately to, to live out the great commandment and the great commission to love God and love others and, and take the gospel to the nations. Yeah. And, and so this, this, thing called the church is about him his and, and the the mission of the church is about him and and with me personally my salvation is about him mm. and my purpose is about him yeah. and every aspect of my life needs to needs to be reflective of that and and that's that's, good. that's why sanctification is a process yeah. though because that we don't just flip a switch and all of a sudden everything is turned over to mm. to Jesus we have to figure out what that looks like and that's going to look different for all of us which is why there's no rule book there, there's, you know, there's no rule book for follow these three easy steps to sanctification because mm-hmm. sanctification looks different for everyone because God meets us where we are and then he moves us to where he wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew, that'll preach. Uh, one of the things that just is coming to mind as we're even talking about this is, is one of the goals of sanctification is yes, to grow in grace. Uh, I think that would be one thing that, that I would think of most uh, becoming more like Christ. But as we're talking, I, I just wrote down the thought that sanctification is yes, that, but the goal of sanctification is Jesus. Right. Yeah. Himself. It, yeah, it is. Himself. Right. Jesus, yes. yes, to become more like Jesus, but part of sanctification is the goal is Jesus. Right. Yeah. A relationship with Christ. Man. That's right. I, I thought the strongest part of the, these two chapters were the two pages he'd spent on the Spirit. And, you know, Mike, kind of coming off what you said. When we rely on the Spirit to grow us and to sanctify us, you know, it's not a, you know, just hands off, let the Spirit do His thing kind right, of kind right. of work. That's not what it is. Um, these reminders of what the Spirit does was so helpful for me. 
Spirit blesses us with the ministry of the conviction of sin. That was so good. The Spirit illumines God's Word for us, empowers us to obey, carries our cries to the Father, reminds us that we are adopted children of God, and the Spirit keeps us. Like all of those, man, I needed those reminders. Me too. I needed that in my season of trying to grow myself. Hmm. Uh, and I shared with you guys yesterday, just feel like I'm finally at a spot of stability with spending time with the Lord personally uh, and, and what Paul Tripp calls personal worship. And it's these this reminder of the Spirit and the work that He does that I'm like, oh, the reason I'm at stability is because I'm seeing these the Spirit do these things in my life. Yeah, um, And I'm just, man, that chapter was so good. Such a great reminder. Because he, he talks about it. God uses many tools of sanctification, but none of these tools have a like magical sanctifying power. Um, they have no power on their own apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the whole, like he's, the Holy Spirit is the sanctifying tool in our yes. life. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would even, even push past tool and it's the, it's the power. Like it literally is the only way we can grow in our faith, grow yeah. in uh, spiritual disciplines in our life and, uh, and in our personal worship, like it's the spirit. I needed that reminder. Yeah, I yeah. really needed that reminder. I want to just backtrack really briefly, just kind of reinforce what we were talking about earlier with, you know, we are the temptation of comfort. I love the way he kind of like turns that on its head in the spirit reminds us that we are adopted children of God that you brought up. I love what he says here. Comforter is a name that Jesus gave to the Holy spirit during his final moments with his disciples. Sanctification is a rocky and twisted pathway up the mountain of God's grace. And later he says, so comfort along the way is a sweet and necessary grace. So comfort can be viewed depending on your perspective, either as a sinful thing or as a life giving thing, because the Holy spirit is our comforter. So just, we were talking about that earlier. Comfort in and of itself could either be a a great thing or a terrible thing. If we're living our lives in fleshly comfort, obviously that's terrible. But if we are being comforted by the Holy spirit, that's like, yeah, it's about as good as it can be. So, Anyway, just to kind of reinforce yeah. what we were talking about yeah, earlier. There is definitely a grace that comes um, from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Um, it's just a, it's just us, uh, and it's there. We just have a hard time either accessing it or yeah. uh, or refusing it, you know, that, that kind of thing. We, we have a hard time understanding <laughs> it and, and how it works. Because yes. I'll, I'll be yes. the first to admit, there are, there are sometimes, you know, we, we talk all the time, well, you got this burden, turn it over to Jesus. Okay, great. What does that look like? <laughs> how how yeah. do you even do that? Yeah. You know, because there are some things that I just don't know how to do. Man. And uh, in those moments, that's when we have to rely on the grace of, of the Holy Spirit. It's uh, almost like that power we can access. Right. And we're like, no, it's, it's locked away. We can't. And the yeah. Holy Spirit's like, no, it's not. It's right, right here. I can give it to you. Right. We're like, no, yeah. it's it's locked away. Like it's that refusal, like right. what you say, like that is literally it's me refusing to rely on the spirit because I think I got it. Yeah. I can do this, God. I don't need you right now. I'll tap in when I need it. And that is right. just such wrong thinking. Yeah. Just as a side note too, we were talking earlier um this week, you know, uh, for for those of you who are listening, our staff works through uh different books. We'll find some things that we might think will be helpful in our ministry, helpful in our professional development, helpful in our our personal spiritual development. And so we've uh we we were talking earlier this week about finding a book that we could go through written maybe one of the classics. Uh we settled on I'm not sure if it's really a classic yet cuz it was like written in the yeah. 70s. It will um, be though. <laughs> but uh but knowing God by by uh uh J.I. Packer is uh is what we're we're 
starting to work through. But as I was, the reason I say that is as I'm reading through this chapter and I'm reading through this chapter on sanctification, uh, what might be a good book to go back and revisit. I, I don't know uh, if it would or not, but John Owen's mortification of sin. Um, that, that is one because that's exactly what he's talking about. Mm. Uh, we, we, in our sanctification, we are the mortification of sin. We're putting to death yeah. sin. Um, and, and so, so that, that might just be something that we come back and revisit. We'll let, yeah. we'll let you know uh, if we do that. Um, <laughs> I'm a big Owens guy. But, yeah. uh, but that, that was, that was kind of a, that's kind of a classic on, on living, on what living out this concept of sanctification hmm. is supposed to look like written by a, a Puritan author. Yeah. Would you guys think of him splitting sanctification up into two parts, like death to sin, but also life in Christ? Cause you yeah. can't just like end it at. I right. thought that was really good. Yeah, I, I think I think, and again, that goes back into sque- trying to squeeze Jesus into into us. Um, is is we want the blessings of Christ, but we want the blessings of Christ without having to put de- sin to death. Mm. Yeah, um, and, and and you can't have it. it, it the, the The reason why the gospel, the reason why the gospel is good news is be, is is because it reverses the curse that is bad news. If we never realize that we're cursed and living sinful fleshly lives apart from God, if we never realize that, then we'll never really understand the need for salvation and we'll never really be saved. And, and so, so in our salvation, we recognize the sin, we repent of it and we, and we are made righteous in Christ. And then that's, that's not the end of our salvation. That's the beginning of our salvation. Yeah. Because then from that moment on, we are, we are working with the spirit in to, to put to death. I mean, Paul says it this way. It's a very active voice. Uh, put off the old man. Right. right. Put on the new man. Right. Yeah. And, and he says that in a, in a tense that is progressive. It's ongoing. And, yeah. and so it's something that we're actively to be doing uh, on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. So. And the flip side of that would be the put to death sin without the new life in Christ, which uh-huh. is where, you're depending on yourself to right. be made a good person. Yeah. And I like what he says earlier in the chapter where he says, like, if if sanctification were dependent on us, we would never be sanctified. Right. And so, like, that, that two-part thing is really important. It's not just, like, yeah. let me just do this all myself, put right. to death all my sin. and That's, but that's the essence of legalism. That's exactly. law, that's law yes. without grace. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and we tend to, and again, growing up in, in Baptist life, we tend to, to make those two things diametrically opposed. Like, this is law and this is grace. Never the two shall meet. You were saved this way then. You were saved this way now. No, that's not, that's not the case. Um, law is actually a grace of God. Yeah. Yes. Law yeah. was given to us. Uh, I think we, 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 talked about that back in our Genesis series and in our yeah. Leviticus series, we, we talked about how um, it is, it is by his grace that we were given the law in the first place. So those two things aren't diametrically opposed. Um, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. Yeah. I came to fulfill it. So those, they, they complement one another by the law. We see um, our depravity and then by grace, we see our salvation. So, so that's, that's kind of, we have to view those things uh, hand in hand. And I think, I think Tripp does a really good job of, of working through that, that yeah, process as well, law and grace. I think yeah. when we, when we don't view those things together, uh, as, as both good, both necessary, I think that's how we, we end up as, especially as, as Baptists, um, being okay with, you know, being saved as a child and then just maybe going to church for an hour every week for the mm-hmm. rest of your life. Right. Yeah. And right. I think that that is sanctification because that's, that's not sanctification. Yeah. Going to church for an hour every week is yeah. good. Yeah. But, but that's <laughs> yeah. that yeah. is not good Please enough. Please don't depend on me for your sanctification. Hey, come on. <laughs> come on. I can't come sanctify on. myself, much less anybody yes. else. So. Amen. Yeah. If, if you're not well, opening your Bible for yourself, right. you're yes. you, you are 
at best, barely a participant in this thing called a Christian life. Yeah, yes. right. Which well, is- that, I was just going to say, that reminds me of something in a book that Skylar and I are going through where, like, as worship leaders, he's encouraging us in this book not to just... Our goal shouldn't just be a good time of worship. We want ourselves and everyone there. We have to leave changed, even if you're saved. Like, yes. it is mm-hmm. a transforming... It, it should be transformative for us. Yes, the gospel know? is just as much for believers as it is for unbelievers. Yes. It's not like you get the gospel once and you're like... Right. Golden. And then it's you an hear act- a sermon yes. and you're like, oh, that applies to all these people, but not to me. No, like every time we hear the gospel, it yeah. demands a response and we right. should Amen. leave that place a changed person. Even even yeah. if it's just a, a better understanding that we are one day closer to glory than we were the day before. Wow. And and, and live life grateful for that. Um, yeah. It, you know, just being a new perspective on, on God's purpose and plan for us. Uh, that has to be renewed because here, here's the thing. The world will, will do everything it can. I mean, we, we, all, we've already talked about this too. We have three forces that come against us, the, the flesh, um, our own sinful desires. We've got Satan and, and evil, uh, personified in, in a sense, uh, tempting us and, and trying to distract us from the, from God. And then you've got the world, worldly systems and all of that stuff that, that are, are intentionally trying to the, being developed to keep God and Christ and everything out of everything of, of life. And so you, we've got all three of these things that are constantly tugging at us. Um, we need the, the presence and power of the gospel to, to, to bring us back, to keep drawing us back, to keep us in the fight, keep us in the race. All yeah. of those metaphors that Paul used in his letters, um, you know, yeah. keep us in the race, finishing, you know, finishing well, um, pressing towards the goal of, a, of the upward calling uh, in Christ, you know, all of those things. So, yeah. When I think about the character of God, too, um, and the character of Jesus, and maybe this will lead us into the application moment, but but one of the things, and I had the privilege of, of preaching Ephesians 5 for our young adult gathering, one of the things that I mentioned is that the character of God, character of Jesus, it's important for us to realize that he wasn't, Jesus wasn't just sinless, which he was, but he was also full of love and full of the Spirit. So our ethic is not just the absence of wickedness, yes. but the presence of love, not just the rejection of impurity, but the practice of grace towards other others. And so we need to be putting on the things, not just ridding, we, we need to definitely be ridding ourselves of sin, but also putting on the whole armor of God, putting on things like grace and truth and patience and love and kindness and the fruit of the spirit. And that's what we see in Jesus. He wasn't just uh, without sin. He was, but he was also full of all these other characteristics as well. And so if we want to be more like Christ, yeah. let's be sure to do those things as well. I, I, I think that's kind of the message that, that Jesus had for us in the gospels when he talked about how you get rid of, you get rid of a demon. Um, but then if you don't fill that space with something uh, with with him, he that demon comes back even stronger. Yeah. You know, so so yes, you're you're right. Um, it it's a matter of 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 putting on, yeah, uh, putting on Christ, filling that space with something that is worthwhile and meaningful. I'm gonna need you to preach that again sometime. Because <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, that's really good. Which I love the the heading of one of his one of the sections in the sanctification in everyday life. There is no such thing as a passive Christianity. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. when you I start talking that. about sanctification. And and the way that we are talking about it, like it's all the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit does everything. He gives us the power. He changes us. You know, he molds us to look, think, and be more like Jesus. You know, a temptation is to think like, oh, well, cool. He's got this. Yeah, he's got it, and he does. But it's like he's got it, so I'm I'm good. But that's not the. Re- it's like a dual thing. It's yes. like yeah. 
which is the language that Paul uses of like Colossians 3, like put on this, put off mm-hmm. this, uh, strive for the goal. You know, like, just like yeah. what you're talking about, all that language, there is all, like we have a responsibility as believers to put off sinful tendencies and sinful desires and, and to fight temptations and put on godliness and holiness. Be holy for I am holy. Like there's language all over scripture. I'm glad you pointed that out earlier. Like sanctification is all over the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and uh, the other angle of sanctification is yes, the Holy Spirit's got this, but he's using you. So you can't just show up once a week for an hour and be like, thanks for that sanctification hour. And then go, you know, the rest of your week, like you're going to be empty and you're not going to grow in your faith because you are not, you're not doing your part. We, we have a responsibility that is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. It's both and. Yeah. That's, you know, we talk, we talk about how the, the gospel comes to you on its way to someone else. Yes. Salvation comes to you on its way to someone else. Sanctification comes to you mm. for the benefit of someone, someone else. else. So you, you don't just, you don't just keep storing it up and mm. become a, <laughs> you know, an overloaded, bloated sponge. It, it, it's something that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But 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 this is what happens. You do you do fill up on that sanctification like a sponge, and then life kind of rings yeah. it out of you. Mm-hmm. And True. in that ringing, the the overflow of that spills into the lives of those people that are around us. I mean, our sanctification is is meant to make us more Christ like, but it's also meant to to fulfill the ultimate purposes of Christ, which is to take the gospel to the nations. I mean, that is, that is yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, and so, so if we're depending on that one hour of worship a week or that, that one life group a week, or if we're, if we're depending on other people for our sanctification, then we're missing Man. out and yeah. we're missing the point. That's we good. might yeah. be, we might be gaining some head knowledge in yeah, some of these things, good. but we're not, we're not being transformed because we don't have the power to transform anybody. Amen. Only, only the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit has, has the ability to transform hearts. That's right. And so that's, that's what we, we, we can create an atmosphere where the spirit can work in you, but ultimately it's going to be up to you whether the spirit works in you or not. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tripp says, the problem is we become satisfied with a little bit of theological knowledge, a consumer's approach to our local church, a cursory devotional life, a little bit of money in the offering plate, a little bit better marriage, children who are a little more controlled, and some satisfying Christian friendships. And he says, God wants so much more than we tend to want for ourselves. Yeah. And he, he he's begging for us to desperately want and need this sanctifying grace from God. Mm-hmm. And that that was just so like, man. We don't, I don't think we want to be sanctified as much as God wants to sanctify us. Right. Mm. And when we start tapping into that, yeah. that's when you see spiritual growth. Yeah. We, it, well, I was just going to say, Skylar and I were talking about this this morning. There's a quote in here. I almost thought he was going to take a C.S. Lewis quote where he said, we're too easily satisfied. Right. C.S. Lewis is talking about in the world and what the world offers. We're too easily satisfied with those things, not realizing that what God has is so much better. But he kind of flips that and he's like, we tap into so little of what God offers us, yes. even good things in our sanctification. Yes. But, but like you're saying, God's like, I have all of this that you can tap into and you're tapping into like 1% of it. And you're like, I'm good. And that's like, not <laughs> right. Not at all. God wants to sanctify every detail and every moment of our lives. Amen. Um, and, and we struggle because we want we want to be satisfied in every detail and every moment of our lives as we 
yes. as we define satisfaction. Um, and God wants to sanctify even that. And he, and he wants to do it in every moment and in every detail. And, um, and, and I just think, and, and again, I, I think we're all susceptible to just living, getting caught up in, in living life and making decisions and paying our bills and doing all that other stuff. We, it, it doesn't come natural for us to think, um, about sanctification in every moment, in every detail of our lives. Yeah. So that is something that has to, to develop in us. Um, and, and I think as we, and, and I think that's one of the purposes of the disciplines, by the way, is, yeah. is the disciplines yeah. help us grow in that grace that help us realize the grace of God, even in the, the, the smallest details and moments of our lives. Yeah. Is uh, the local church necessary for sanctification in a believer's life? I, I believe so. I believe yeah, the, the exactly. local church is essential yes. in that. Um, it, it is by God's design that we uh, strengthen each other in our sanctification. I mean, that's the that's the point of that Hebrews something twenty four. Yes. Yeah, Hebrews ten um, twenty four. Let us consider one another We're in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is mm-hmm. the manner of some, mm-hmm. but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Um, the writer of Hebrews knows that the Christian life is not an easy life. It's not an easy journey. Uh, again, it's not supposed to be burdensome in a sense of having to do all these things for God. It's just the, the struggle is living the Christian life in a world that is hostile to the Christian life. And, and so the church is designed to, uh, to be one of the mechanisms by which sanctification can take place. Um, I mean, if you think about it, uh, the the New Testament uses the, uh, addresses the churches using the word saints, and all the word saint means is sanctified one. Um, and so, when Paul writes to the churches, he's writing to those who have been sanctified in that city. Um, as the church, as a part of the church, we are are have been sanctified and are being sanctified. And so, uh, and, and he and he doesn't and he's and he writes to the church, um, not to not just to individuals. And so I, I think it's, I think it's, mm. I think it is essential. I actually, there is a, yeah, the church is essential, uh, is what, is what Tripp even says. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I like it the way he frames that section too. Yeah. If you know, he kind of attributes our lack of understanding about how important sanctification is to our lack of involvement in the church yeah. and its ministries and its work. Yeah. Well, cause like, if you think about it, I'm thinking of this question because of that section and to think about it, you know, if your goal of coming to church for one hour on a Sunday is to be sanctified. I think that that's a noble goal. Yeah. That's a noble thing to be able to say, okay, good. I'm glad. But if your goal to coming on Sunday for one hour, isn't to be sanctified, but is appearance is, yeah. uh, you know, a, it's like a fake sanctification almost right. like you, you want to, I don't know, do it on your own is what's coming to mind. Like that's, you want to look better. You want people to think that you are more spiritually mature than you are. Like if, if all those are the goal yeah. of cut, like the local church is essential. That one hour, two hours that you have on a Sunday, it's essential to gathering with the local church to be sanctified. But I think the motives behind why you're right. Well, that's, that's the church. thing with every, every one of the disciplines. Yeah. Every one of the disciplines has everything to do with heart and motive. Yeah, it does. Um, so if we're reading the Bible to check off that we've exactly. read the Bible, then you know there may be some sanctification in that, but there may not be. Yeah. Same, same with uh, same with going going to church. And and see a lot of folks today in in our society, 
Um, yeah, sometimes church is just an outward appearance. I think as the, the culture has moved away from church, it's not so much, because uh, uh, I, I think church used to be viewed as as something that if, if you're going to be seen uh, with the right standing in the community, you're, you're going to attend a church. You're going to go yeah. somewhere. Um, and so it was all about, it was all about perception. It was all about standing. It was all about status and that kind yeah. of stuff. But even today, it might not be about that, but for many people, and probably too many people, it's, it's more therapeutic. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's more social uh, interaction, social interaction, uh, not necessarily uh, coming to be convicted of sin so that we can repent of that and and uh, put off the old man and put on the new and be sanctified and readied and refreshed for the for accomplishing the will of God in our lives in the days to come uh, in between those meetings and gatherings. Uh, but it, it becomes something other than that. And when it becomes something other than that, then, you know. I don't. I don't know what spiritual benefit there yeah. is. is well, to, and, to and even in our conversation right now, like they're coming to you to be sanctified. Right. They're right. wanting you to sanctify them. When in reality, it's the spirit that does that. I think that that adds to right. the right misconception yes. of what that one hour is. Because yeah. because coming to church for one hour, two hour, however many hours you're here on a Sunday, like that is not a bad right. thing. Right, that's like, that a is, good thing. Yes, more of us should try it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We love that you're tuning yes. in online, but yes. we miss you in but person. Come on. Coming. Yes. And by the way, we have our 68th anniversary coming up here at, uh, hey, at Parkview. And if you have been disconnected for quite some time, maybe August 21st is the day you yeah. begin to, uh, to uh, connect back with us again. Uh, yeah. Celebrate our anniversary with us and let's move forward. So yeah. shameless Amen. plug. For, Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what some people don't realize either is that when you, when you don't show up, it's actually hurting the rest yes. of the church. Right. Look yes. at this Ephesians four passage. Yes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is, it is equipped. This part's so good when each part is working properly mm. makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so if you're a part that's not working properly, you're, you're harming the health of the, the local church. Right. Yeah. And so you, you are needed here. Amen. You know, like we need you. Um, you're not just like approaching it with the consumer mindset is not just affecting you. It's affecting the whole church body. Right. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and here's too, when, I mean, we want to, we want, when, when we come to church and, and part of the goal of, of my preaching is to help us think more deeply about where we are in our own walk with Christ, help us to in, engage God's word and develop a biblical worldview and how we're going to respond to the things of the world. So I, I want, um, I, I, I don't want our services to, to be without intellect. I, I want it to, I want us to think about those things and work through some of those things, but, but I want us to do so not so that head knowledge of worldview and things about the Bible and things about God become the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to have whatever it is that we learn about God in that day work in our hearts in such a way that our lives begin to be transformed and look like uh, what Christ has determined for us to look like. Um, and, and I think we can, sometimes we, we tend to relegate there. There may be some tendency to relegate sanctification to an, an intellectual uh, uh, exercise mm-hmm. uh, where if I just attend this class, if I go, if I take this class, if I go to seminary, you know, if, you know, whatever I'm automatically being sanctified and that's not necessarily the case. And if you're not sure about that, you can go to what Jesus said in revelation to the church at Ephesus where Ephesus had their doctrine, right. They had their theology sound. They were able to discern truth uh, from 
falsehood and they knew what it looked like um, as far as, as what uh, in, in their heads, what being a Christian was like. But Jesus still said, if you don't return to your first love, if, if you're not loving, if you're not lo- doing what I've called you to do, if you're not being who I've called you to be, if you're not being sanctified in a heart transformation sense, then I'm going to, I'm going to take you out. <laughs> I'm going to remove you from among the lampstands. Yeah. And, and so we, we want to make sure that yes, we are engaging the intellect when we come together, uh, when we gather together. Uh, it's not just a, an esoteric or emotional or mystic or spiritual experience. Right. It, it could have elements of some of that, but it, but it is an intellectual experience that we pray leads to heart transformation Amen. among our people. Yeah. I think that's why I was, I, after that I've had the opportunity to preach a, last, a few times recently, I was so most encouraged by a text that I would receive a few days later from somebody mm. that they are, they're still thinking about it. They're still applying it to their hearts. And man, like you want to encourage us yeah. as pastors live out the Christian life, like live the fruit of the spirit. Like that's, that's what's most encouraging to me is seeing believers pursue Christ Monday through Saturday. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. Mm -hmm. Right. Man. So let's talk about relationships and how horribly wrong <laughs> I approached Man. this. I just want to read a quote really quick because it crushed me. If God's sole purpose for our relationships is our comfort, pleasure, and ease, then he is a massive failure. In truth, God's ultimate goal for our relationships is that they would be powerful and effective tools in the death and life work of sanctification. I've gotten it wrong. Was that before or after he told us what horrible parents we were? Oh that was just after. before. Okay. Oh, just before. <laughs> just before. Yeah. So, yeah, this this was the moment where he, uh, you know, Paul tripped me and just. <laughs> we're, we're, we're making that a verb now. Such a terrible person. <laughs> we, we got the uh, all, all of us. <laughs> we got the Paul tripped me. Yes. <laughs> you guys Sorry. ever, uh, you ever felt like a pinata because. <laughs> Every time I read Paul Tripp, I just feel like he's uh, just taking yeah. a, a bat yes. to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you suck as a parent. Bow. Yeah, yeah. You suck as a husband. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me be real yes. specific about how you suck as a parent. Yes. Yeah. And a parent. Yeah. Bop, 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 Paul Tripp. I'm done, man. I was already done from the first chapter of your book, man. <laughs> because God is understanding, patient, and sympathetic. Yes. When we are weak and when we fail, mm-hmm. we should be the same with one another. Yeah. I will say though, I feel like you know, I played I play a role in, in y'all's sanctification <laughs> <laughs> in some sense, you know. Like. <laughs> the goal of parenting isn't doing everything you can in a particular moment to get your child to do what you want them to do. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, that again, no, your goal should be that you take uh, yet another step in responding to your child as Christ would. And taking yet another step in helping this child to know who he is and how much he needs the wisdom and grace of the Savior. Man, that just... Well, God when, recalled a very specific <laughs> instance for me right there, and it killed me. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. man, when when you view sanctification as a process, you apply that process to your life and the way that you parent your kids or the friends you have. Dude, it is wrecking me because it's my kid is not a project for me to fix. That's right. My kid is someone that I walk alongside in this process of becoming a believer and living out that Christian life. And then to to develop the image of God that is in him. Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm. Thanks, Paul Tripp. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it really it really convicts me um, when I when I read how sanctification and I think more deeply about how sanctification is supposed to impact my relationships. It really uh, convicts me and hopefully challenges me um, in the way I view my relationship with Judy and and what the ultimate purpose of that relationship is and how God can be glorified in the way we relate to one another. But on my end, in the way I relate to Judy, if I, it really got me thinking about, about Peter's words about husbands are to, uh, know their wives, live with them in an understanding way. Um, I mean that, that takes, uh, the grace of God, uh, in us, but, but it, what this chapter challenges me to and calls me to is to, uh, realize uh, that I need that grace, but then embrace it and apply that grace in in every conversation that I have with Judy, in every way that I I treat her, in the way that I uh, the way that I, I view her and her purpose in this marriage, and, and everything else, it it's, it's got to be about more than just uh, me and her. It's got to be about us uh, fulfilling the purposes of marriage, uh, which I think is a part of uh, uh Holiness. Uh, marriage isn't designed mm-hmm. just to make us happy. It's designed to make us holy. As we grow together uh, in Christ, uh, He is made much of. He is exalted. He is the design of marriage is for Him to be glorified in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can't glorify Him in my marriage if I'm treating my my wife badly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm not understanding her, <clears throat> if I'm uh, provoking her or or causing. Uh, causing angst or anxiety in her. I, I, I'm not glorifying Christ in, in, in those things. And so it, it really convicts me and then hopefully challenges me um, to repent of those, of those uh, things and then, and then move forward. Th- that's where I want to put off the old man and put on the new. Uh, and that is something that changes with our seasons. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. we we're all going through change um, and our lives are changing. Um, we have different seasons of life. And so all of that needs to be renewed. It's not something that we, like, like Skylar said earlier, there's no sanctification graduate. I'm not, I'm never going to graduate to and receive my certificate for being the best husband in the world, because that that's something that's going to constantly be worked on. Um, this side of, of seeing Jesus face to face. Yeah. So. Even in friendships though, like, yeah. How are, how am I being a friend that sanctifies and not in a joking way, but like in a yeah. encouraging way in a, you know, spur, spur my brothers and sisters on to faith in Jesus. Like how it, it's just having me ask a lot of questions of where do I need to grow in this aspect of being someone who helps and encourages someone in their faith at my friends. Yeah. Um, just And maybe you guys can respond to this, but it's just a thought I had. If you're listening to this and you're thinking like, Oh, so they're asking me to over-spiritualize all my relationships. Paul, Paul Tripp, and we are not saying that every moment of your life and your relationships has to be serious right. uh, or yeah. anything like that. Like, that, yes, there, there are moments of laughter and fun and, and thank God for those things. Yes. Those are like, those can be God glorifying. But how would you, how would you speak to that? Like when we're talking about our relationships are tools and we should be sanctified through them. How do you balance that with like the good and fun and lighthearted moment? I don't know if y'all could speak to that, but just we're not asking. You to over spiritualize your, if that's even a word. Yeah, to be, I, to I be think. Fair, yeah, but. I think so. I think that we we there could be a tendency to do that. 
um, to, to think that, you know, every moment has to be serious. Every moment has to be a gospel conversation. Uh, it, it's not that you're not still allowed to talk about the weather and football, right. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but you're developing relationships in such a way that if you have to have those deeper conversations of life, if you have a friend that is going through suffering, are you going to be somebody that they can come to, um, that, that even if the suffering is on them, it's their fault. Are, are, are they going to be able to come to you? to receive grace or are they going to come to you and receive judgment? Um, you, you know, what, how, how are you making yourself available and transparent and authentic? I, I think that's, that's where we go. And those, those might be just buzzwords and they might be progressive language. I don't know, but, but authenticity and transparency and those kind of things in our friendships, I think lend itself to what, what we're talking about here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so yeah, man, uh, if you want to sit down and have pizza and play cards, I think that's, that's great. Let's do it. Let's get together. Um, but if there are times when, when we, when we, the, the problem is, is too many of those kind of relationships never, never have those deeper moments. Mm. And I think that's what, what it's saying is uh, let's be, let's at least be open, um, to to having those conversations when we need to have them, yeah. To confronting when confrontation is is required, um, and and to do that with grace, because because the church is the instrument is an instrument that God uses in sanctification. Church friendships are going to be instruments that God uses in our in our sanctification. Yeah, I think it starts honestly with what He goes on to talk about later in this chapter of personal worship. When if I'm going to be an encouraging friend. I'm going to be the most encouraging to a believer to help sanctify. I'm going to be most encouraging when I have been spending time with the Lord yeah. rather than when it's just, you know, my opinions on things or right. my yeah. feelings or, you know, it's going to be in the moments when I am closest to God, when I'm drawing near to him. Um, it's in those moments that I can be a better friend to the people around me. Yeah. Um, it's not about, man, I think there's, <laughs> I think that that joy is such a tool of God's sanctifying grace. Someone being a joyful Christian, like just being, talking about the things of the Lord, you know, being intentional, like asking someone how they're doing and actually caring about that. Joy in a believer's life. And, you know, I'm going to find, I'm going to have joy when I'm finding my joy in God. And so being joyful, that's one way that I would say is like, not over-spiritualized, but just, Think about things spiritually, you know, mm-hmm. like even just being a joyful Christian is one way to, cause joy isn't, it, it's, it's contagious. And it's a fruit of the spirit. It, like when you, I, when yeah. you are living in that, well, like and, it's, it's, it's going to bleed out. Yeah. They're, they're going to, they're going to be encouraged by that. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I'm praying for myself right now in this chapter. It's like, I pray that I have joy from the Lord. Not for yeah. me. Right. Yeah. I could be right. a hype guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. I could be happy. Yeah. But to be a joy to the people around me. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm praying right now for myself yeah. and for my friendships that people come when they see me, they see someone who has a joy they can't explain. Right. Right. And I don't know if that's the friend I've been. Yeah. I, I think it's in seasons, but that's what I'm praying right now for me. Yeah. yeah. When you ask that question, it's an interesting question. And and the thing that comes to mind is one of my prayers is to walk in the spirit and to abide in Christ in all things. And I think that I find when I, when I do that best, um, I'm a lot more discerning in those moments and aware of other people in those moments. I'm aware of, he seems a little off or 
man, he seems like he could use some encouragement right now. I feel like I'm, maybe I'm off on that, but I, but I, I think that that's yes, that's biblical. That if yeah. we're walking in the Spirit, then we know the moments that it's need we need to be serious. Yeah, yeah, and we discern Amen. the moments that we need to be encouraging. We we know the moments that we need to laugh with a friend. Yeah, right. Or give a hug. Yeah. I think that I think it for me it comes back to walking in the spirit, which is my prayer right now is I want to abide in Christ and everything so that I can I mean every morning a lot of the time I prayer one of the prayers that I'm praying is I want to be an encouragement to, to other people. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be uh, harsh or a burden to other people. That's something that's yeah. prominent on my mind right now is I want to be encouragement to you guys. Yeah. I want to be an encouragement to Shelly and um, and those that are around me. But I think that it comes back to, for me, it's just, I want to make sure I'm walking in the spirit so I can discern those things a little bit better yeah. and be aware yeah. of not just myself, but of other people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's less self-centeredness when we're, mm-hmm. when we're walking with Christ, we're yeah. finding our joy and yeah. our rest in him. I think we're, <clears throat> we're able to, to see beyond ourselves a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that came up in my mind is like, I think Mike was, was getting at it too earlier. Just being like as a Christian, not pretending to be somewhere spiritually where you're not. For me, that is, that is such a huge encouragement to me when people don't see me as pastor on a pedestal that, you know, they have to like tidy up when I'm around or, uh, you know, not say things that they would not like. Honesty and being yourself to me, that encourages me the most as a believer. When someone is just real, uh, truthful themselves, that as a friend, that's what I want to be to people. Um, because that's the friends that I want or people who aren't pretending around me. You know, they're not, you know, cleaning up their language around me. And I like, uh, just hear the heart behind that. Like, I want people around me and friends and relationships where I can sense that you're being honest and you're being truthful. So that's what I, that's how I try to encourage as well. Maybe it's not encouraging. Maybe people don't want that from me, but I am going to be myself because I want people to know on a friendship, on a relationship level that there's no pretending coming from me. And that's, you know, an expectation I have of friends is that they're going to do the same for me. Um, that encourages me in my sanctification and my growth not to over-spiritualize everything, but just to be honest, yeah. to be yourself around people. I think that's a good thought because I think when we're not being real with people, we're trying to give them a picture that maybe we're better than we are or something yeah. like that, which could be like a pride thing Yeah. anyway. But I think that was a really good discussion. It kind of turned into a discussion about joy and, and the role that that plays in our sanctification. Maybe we can end on just really quick. I love his shift, like seeing difficulty as a primary sanctification tool. And just the way we we view that, because that's a hard that to me this is really hard. Um, yeah. Difficulties in our life, the, the the dark times, the valleys of our lives, like which first of all we all know that we don't hear people say that was the best year of my life. I grew so much. We usually hear people say that that was the hardest season of my life, and I grew so much during that season, kind of thing. But uh, I think viewing difficulty rightly is really important in our walk with the Lord and our attitude toward those things. So maybe we can talk about so that too. a little bit for starters. It's encouraging to just to think that there is purpose behind our suffering. <laughs> yes. You know, there is, there is some good 
coming from. It's hard yeah. to see that in the moment, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but especially looking back, you know, you can, you can see yeah. that, that God was changing you. God was sanctifying you through those things. Yeah. James, James kind of puts it out there for us in uh, the opening of his letter. Um, my brethren counted all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Why? How can we do that? I mean, that, that takes effort <laughs> to counter joy when we're dealing with difficulties. But he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He is speaking of sanctification. Wow. Yeah, he's speaking he of being sanctified, Man. being sanctified in the midst of trial and difficulty. That is one of the one of the resources, one of the tools that God uses. Because if you think about it, big picture, sanctification really is uh, learning to rely on the grace of God, being dependent upon Him. And what better ways do we learn to be dependent on Him when we find ourselves in situations where we're beyond ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so that that's that's why you know we we talk about don't pray for patience because the way we learn patience is to be put into situations where we're going to learn we have to be patient. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the same same thing with sanctification. Sometimes yeah. you yeah. may have just revealed that I entered this wrongly, trying to yeah. separate difficulty from joy. Uh, where where James literally says, "Count it all yeah. joy." Yeah. When yeah. you face trials, and that's something only the gospel can that's do. That's right. Yes. Is to find that's joy so when you face trials. That's so. That's like almost an oxymoron. It's so countercultural. Yeah. But, but it, it, it all fits. All of that fits within this doctrine of sanctification. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the application yes. for us. That yes. is the meaning for yes. us. That's why we need to know this doctrine, but not just know this doctrine, but live it out because it gives us, this doctrine gives us perspective yeah. um, on, on why the great things happen in our lives, mm. but also on yeah. why the horrible things happen in our lives. Yeah. Joy is underrated. I think. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. really think. Yeah. That. Because Truly. we live in a world that wants to focus on happiness mm. yep. and, and, and we yes. want what makes us happy and happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. Joy runs much deeper yeah. than our circumstances. One line that really, I, I wrote sheesh. Right next to it. <laughs> he says, he we did. cannot long for redeeming grace and curse difficulty at the same time, mm-hmm. man. That's hard. <laughs> that is right. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because how do you, how do you even know redeeming grace if you're not in a position to be redeemed? Yeah. You know, if that that's how you know it, that's how you experience it. Um, and we we I make that same argument with regard to faith, though, is you don't know if you have faith until that faith is tried and tested, and you actually have to exercise it. Mm. Um, and so, so God allows things to happen so that we can be confirmed in our faith. And sometimes we fall flat on our face. Abraham had both of those experiences, by the way, where his faith was tested. He fell flat on his face. His faith was tested and he came through with flying colors. So Mm. um, I wouldn't expect any, any less or any more of us in that Mm. process. Yeah. I hope after this discussion, when you sing graves into gardens, now you have a different perspective when you're singing that bridge of, Oh man, you turn graves into gardens, you bring beauty from ashes, all these things. Um, the cross of Jesus Christ teaches us a powerfully encouraging truth. God is able to bring the very best of things out of the very worst of things. Yeah. Amen. That's the tool of difficulty in our sanctification. That's like super encouraging. Uh, Again, bringing purpose to pain kind of a thing. Yeah. So what does this practically look like? He says it looks like having a life shaped by taking the fruit of the spirit seriously. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's chase after Christ and pursue his things that he conveys in his character. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I just, I kind of, I kind of Googled, uh, hymns of sanctification and this is like the top one yeah. and I'm reading through it. And I, I think it's yeah. spot on. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art thou, my ble- my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping thy presence, my light be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord, thou my great father and I, thy true son, thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, nor vain, empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou, and thou only first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my uh, own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Man, high king of heaven, my victory won. Yeah. And that is, that is the ultimate goal of sanctification is going to be what we'll talk about in another, another podcast, glorification, uh, when we stand before him, reaching heaven's joys face to face. Right now in sanctification, we live in the now and not yet. We see things dimly as in a mirror. One day we'll see face to face. But the hope of our sanctification is uh, the other side of that is this thing called glory. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be with him forever in it. So we're looking forward to that. Well, thanks for joining us for coffee rants and all things Christian. There's a forum on our website, pbclc.com slash podcast, where you can send us questions. Please follow or subscribe to us and leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next time. Come back, please.